Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. FM Riverside and 1050 AM Palm Springs. Okay, we're back. And joining us, um, we're quite honored to have uh, author Kara Lee Carter. Uh, Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, um, before we get into the book that you've just done, uh, let's talk about. where you came from us and uh, what started you in in this path of being an author? I got started in the field of journalism uh, when I was just 16 years old, actually. A few afternoons every week, I was working at a daily newspaper as part of a course that I was enrolled in for my last year of high school. So uh, it was my experience working at that newspaper that made me realize that that was the type of career that I wanted to have to be able to tell people stories. So I decided to go ahead and, and go on to post-secondary um, and pursue journalism. But what's interesting is that while I was working at the newspaper, um, like I was writing more featured style articles as opposed to like the hard hitting news. And it was during that time that I was there that there was a, a missing person's case of a teenage girl that came into the newsroom. And um, it was all over the province where I was from. So her murderer, it turned out that she was murdered. Uh, He was 16 and he was actually like helping the police search for her for three weeks before he confessed to her murder. Uh, And he led them to the, uh, to her body eventually. But because I worked at the newspaper at the time, I was privy to some details of the case um, that weren't published necessarily in the newspaper. And a few like, years after that case uh, went through the courts and everything, uh, that's when I read my very first true crime book. And uh, and that was the actual case that I read was all about that because, you know, it was something that touched so many people in our province and so many people were interested in it. So, so that case stuck with me all throughout my career. Um, and while we don't get a whole lot of murders in the province that I'm from, the ones that do really do make the headlines, but this one has stuck with me for, for over a decade. Are there other people that you've looked to or you follow to or listen, you know, like other authors in the same area as your favorite sort of ones that you like? I read a, a lot of different genres, um, but the the main one that I really look to is actually R.J. Parker. He's he's also my publisher, but it was only in the past year or so that I really got back into reading true crime. So I've read a lot of his work and J.J. Slade, and um, I have several that I that I do read, but uh, I gotta say, 
I, I look to RJ's style of writing too because I really like how he does short cases. Um, you know, there's several of his books uh, that you know they're they're short reads, but you get enough information about each case, and you know it's just fascinating the details that you get from these books. It's the newest book that you've got that just came mm-hmm. out, the uh, Canadian Psycho, and that's the true story of uh, Luca Magnata. Mm-hmm. Now, is this your first true crime book, or have you written ones before? No, this is my very first book. Okay. Um, uh, my writing has been more to do with my, my journalism background. Um, so while I've been writing the same style of articles, um, nothing this in-depth, nothing uh, this length before, because it is over 120 page uh, pages. So, uh, so yeah, I'm very excited about it and uh, looking forward to the beginning of this aspect of my career. How long did it take you to do this? Like, there's, there must be a lot of research and a lot of uh, time to put mm-hmm. together a project like this. Not only the writing part, but just all the information. Yeah, um, I I spoke to RJ about doing this project uh, just before Christmas, I believe it was, or just after Christmas. So uh, once I was on board for it, he he suggested a couple of possible cases for me to look into. And, you know, I, I did some research on, on Luca, and that case was the one that I knew that I, I really wanted to tell this story because it was such a media sensation. Um, if, you, if you Google his name, there's just so many articles out there. So the research aspect of it did take quite some time. It was very involved. Um, and it, this was a little bit of a different experience for me because I generally do all my interviews myself when doing any writing. But for this book, I relied heavily on articles and information that was already published and on the internet. I started uh, researching the book months before the release date. Um, I read everything I could get my hands on through uh, my hands on through online searches, so I was as familiar with the case as possible before I even put any pen to paper, just so I could get an idea of what needed to be included in this. Um, and you know, I think that my background as a journalist really helped me to determine what needed to be in this book for sure. So. The other thing, too, was I used a lot of information from the psychological report that was presented by the defense in this case. And I think that really gave a lot of insight to the, to the readers about the facts that Luca was giving his doctors. Let's, let's start out with uh, some of the uh, aspects of the case. So for the people that don't know, um, who was Luca Magnata and what, what, what did he do or where did it all start for him? In May 2000. Um, a janitor found a suitcase with a human torso in it in a uh, neighborhood in Montreal, Canada. Um, So police were called in, but the evidence they collected led them too late to the door of Luca Magnata, who had committed the crime. Um, He had fled the country at that time after the murder. And what he, what he did was actually, he filmed the uh, indignities that he committed to this to his victim and he posted them on the internet now he posted this days before the body was actually discovered and uh, people had been reporting it to, to police but police thought that it was a fake um, so within I think four hours of it being posted there were over 300,000 hits to this to this video um, and it was posted on the um, the website Best Gore. So it, an international manhunt ensued once they identified him as the, uh, the murderer. And he, he was eventually caught in Europe. So from there, um, he also sent some of the, uh, his victim's body parts in the mail to, uh, to, to some schools and to uh, some members of government. And uh, and then he had to be extradited back to Canada to to face the charges that were brought against him. So did he have a point to all of this? Like you know, um, uh, so this the this person he killed and and dismembered and did things mm-hmm. to. Like why would he send the limbs or parts to the schools? This this all really goes back to his his background from when he was a child. Um, he was obsessed with obtaining fame, and 
um, we'll get into this in a little bit, just how how obsessed he was with it. Um, you know, he, he some of the things that he did um, in high school, uh, Luca was was considered very vain. Like people who knew him, they always said he was vain, uh, always obsessed with his looks. He had to look in the mirror uh, anytime he passed by. He had to stop and look at himself to make sure that he looked okay. Um, after he graduated, well, um, in in high school is when his um, his mental issues surfaced, um, and that's when he was uh, diagnosed uh, with um, schizophrenia uh, as a paranoid schizophrenic. Going back to his uh, his desire for fame, in two thousand and four, he appeared in uh, some pornographic films. Um, under a couple of names like Jimmy. He also used uh, Roca because he wasn't originally born as Luca Magnata. He later changed his name. He was actually born as Eric Newman. Under this name, he actually he run in with the law previously. Uh, he appeared in a Toronto court on charges of fraud and impersonating a woman uh, for a credit card purchase over $16,000 worth of goods. And he had um, a dozen criminal charges against him. But one of the other things he had is a sexual assault uh, charge for against a 21-year-old woman he had met online in 2004. But she had the mental capacity of an 8- to 12-year-old. Now, with this case, those charges were dropped against him. And if he had actually been convicted, he would have been a registered sex offender, which would have had a huge impact on his life because he actually would have had to report to officers who supervised him. So... He has had a history of um, of some criminal behavior before this. Um, shortly after, and he, with his sentencing, he never did any jail time, which is shocking. You know, um, if those charges hadn't been dropped, I think it would have been uh, very different for him. His life would have been completely different. But unfortunately, they didn't, and you know, he basically didn't get very much. Uh, he didn't get jail time. He just got community service and. Uh, and from there, he, he decided to change his name in 2006. And that's when he gained Luca Magnata. Was there a certain reason why he changed his name, or do we know that? We, you know, that, that's not something that I really knew. Um, I, he kind of just wanted a fresh start, is what I came across in my research for it. Um, and then after that, you know, he, he was in court again, but this time for a bankruptcy charge. So a lot of it was tied to money. Um, you know, I guess he was just spending beyond his means. Uh, so he, he declared bankruptcy. Um, from then his obsession with fame really kicked in. He auditioned for, um, out TV's reality program cover guy, uh, but he wasn't selected to be on the show. He talked to the naked news, um, using an alias where he talked about being a high end male escort. And uh, and in that same year, in 2007, is when he made up a story about his involvement with uh, serial killer Carl, Carla Homolka. And uh, as many people know, Carla, along with her husband, Paul Bernardo, raped and murdered her little sister, as well as uh, some teenage schoolgirls who were enslaved, raped, tortured, and killed. And, uh, and that is actually a case that was covered by Peter Bronsky in volume three of the Crimes Canada series. So he, he had actually put out internet rumors linking him to, to Carla Homolka. And then after that, phoned up some, uh, some media outlets claiming they weren't involved and, you know, went on and did uh, some interviews saying that, you know, he, he was getting death threats and it was conspiracy against them and things like that. So, so he, he wanted to, to pull that spotlight to himself. So he was just doing this all for uh, it, notoriety. He just wanted to be famous. He just wanted to be famous. And, you know, this, this book really chronicles, you know, how, how it just went further and further and further. And, uh, you know, over the years, there'd be new rumors and newspaper stories that, you know, would link, link him to Carla Homolka. So, you know, he, he, he just did whatever he could to get the fame. And he didn't really have anything to do with Carla Homolka, did he? Oh, gosh, no. No. The other thing, too, like, he, he would continue from there. He just continued 
auditioning for reality TV shows, and you know he none of his his um, his attempts to gain attention worked. Um, you know the book that uh, that I've written really chronicles. Uh, his journey about and how he would fall deeper and deeper into fabricating like this enormous online presence. Um, he had like 70 Facebook accounts, you know, which, which is <laughs> totally crazy. <laughs> I can hardly keep up with one. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, and then, you know, he, he would make blog posts. Um, there was one in particular that he wrote that was, uh, or he said that he had written, how to completely disappear and never be found, to be found. So this article was largely plagiarized, but you know, when when you think about the actions that he took, you wonder if you know he thought of this and he when he knew he would need this in the future. You know, mm. um, and that's one thing with this case. Like, it was so hard to tell fact from fi- fiction if you're looking at any of the posts that Luca himself made. What do you think made him cross over into murder? I mean, I can see, you know, okay, so he's, you know, whatever condition that makes him want to uh, be famous, and he's doing all sorts of pranks and Facebook accounts and name changes and and all this stuff to create attention, trying to be on reality shows. I mean, that all makes sense. But to actually go and murder someone, cut up their parts and send them out isn't that i mean that's like you know because we all want certain things you know we, we want i i don't mind a little bit of fame or a little bit of money and things like that but i'm not going to jump out and start cutting up bodies and filming it and sending it to schools to get that you know so mm-hmm. what what made him was that his first murder was that or do you think he's done it before um i think this was his first murder now i could be wrong Right. You know, um, some of the experts didn't think that it was. In fact, the police were investigating with some, uh, were in touch with some other police departments to try to determine if he had done some other murders that kind of were similar. Uh, there was a Hollywood sign murder um, in the U- in the U.S. that they did get in touch with the Montreal police to see if, if uh, it may have been Luca. It actually wasn't is what they found, but because it was somewhat similar, um, they, it was something they had to check out. So there were several cases that, you know, they had to look into it to see if, if he had committed murder before. Yeah. It just seems like it's a big jump to me. I, you know, like I said, to, to all of a sudden do it. Well, with Luca, he actually, it seemed like it was a progression because he did, uh, he did make some, uh, animal cruelty videos as well. And that is really um, what launched him uh, into fame a little bit because people were investigating to try to find out who had made animal cruelty videos and posted them on YouTube. Um, and there was quite an extensive investigation into this by animal activist groups as well. So they were they spent quite some time trying to prove it was him after he posted the original video. Um, not long, It was a while later... Um, that he posted a second video that got people moving again, trying to figure out who had done it. And he was actually mocking the people who were investigating him, you know, leaving tips and, and stuff. Uh, they, he actually sent, or the group believes that he's the one who sent them the information saying it was actually Luca Magnata that they're looking for. Now, how did this affect us? Now, were you able to find out about his family? So, like, where did he come from? As in, like, uh, was he living in a fairly good family and a good housing, brothers, sisters, parents, all that? Or, or what was the situation that he came from? Yeah, Luca, he he grew up um, in Scarborough, Ontario. Um, his parents were teenagers when they met, and uh, they got pregnant shortly after. Um, so... Luca, or Eric as he was born, he was first born, and they named their their kid after Clint Eastwood and Kirk Douglas. So, you know, even then, you know, yeah, <laughs> right away, you know, there's a little bit of fame in there already. So after that, they, they had a son and a daughter a few years later. So um, with his home life, 
his mother didn't graduate from high school herself. She, she dropped out when she was in grade nine, but she still insisted on homeschooling the kids. So they didn't have any contact with kids their own age. Um, and, you know, Luca himself would, would say his mother was obsessed with cleanliness and, um, you know, things like that, um, that she would lock them out of the, the house and car. And, you know, she, she caused a, the death of their fam- one of their family pets, a rabbit, by putting it outside in the winter. Oh. He also said that she, she would dress him in female clothing when he was younger and made him wear diapers when he was six years old because he was still wetting the bed. So, you know, he, he put a lot of blame on his mother, his relationship there. Um, he said that he, even his, like, his siblings made fun of him, his family made fun of him because, uh, you know, he would cross his legs and he would sometimes wear makeup things like that. He played with Barbie dolls, you know, um, and his family didn't like that kind of thing. So, you know, all of that played into it, I'm sure. Um, he, he said that he was, he was bullied in school. Um, he struggled in school because eventually after his parents divorced, he, he did get put into the school system and, uh, he was a couple grades behind. Um, but yeah, he, he, you know, maintains that he was bullied and beat up. And then later, you know, when I, when I did find the psychological report, um, one of his previous classmates, you know, described him as almost too odd to be a target for bullying. So, you know, she said that people kind of left him alone. So, you know, you have two sides to the story. You have Lucas saying that he, he was, you know, bullied and beat up. And then you have some of the other classmates who said, no, that didn't really happen. Right. So he, you know, his, his, um, former classmate said that he seemed, he seemed to have a really negative view of himself and was, you know, sensitive to, to criticism on his father's side, his father's side, um, he, his father was hearing voices and, um, feeling suicidal. He was angry and delusional. Um, and his, his father was actually re- originally diagnosed as bipolar and, and, uh, and manic depressive. But later on that was changed to paranoid schizophrenic manic depressive. So he had a bunch, he was on a bunch of different drugs. So, and, and you know what, and it's unfortunate, but like at the age of 18, Luca even followed in, in those footsteps cause he started hearing voices. And uh, in 2001, that's really when his 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 extensive history with you know hospitals and doctors started. So was he ever diagnosed with any condition at all? Or? Back then in 2001, it was as a paranoid schizophrenic. Um, he dropped out of high school. He didn't finish high school. Uh, he he was in a number of uh, dead end jobs, but they never lasted long. So he had a really hard time keeping a job. Uh, he, he was getting disability sport pay- payments. Um, you know, he was in a psychiatric group home. Um, he, he overdosed on some of his meds one time and had to be rushed to the hospital. Um, you know, and, and really like there was a decade of just appointments with doctors and, and visits and stuff in Canada and the United States. And, you know, he, even his living arrangements, he would bounce around. So there wasn't a lot of stability there. And, and it um, lists, it lists him as a model and sex worker. So we, yeah. was, was he actually a model? Well, in his early 20s, uh, that's when he, he started his career in the, the sex trade. Um, he did some internet porn with webcams. Um, but he said he, he gave it up because there were too many crazy people out there. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, in 2002, he became a stripper. Um, but, you know, that only lasted a few months for him. And then he followed that up by working as an escort. Um, then, you know, he said, he once again, it, it's hard to know what's truth and what's not. But he, he did say that he was raped sometimes during that career. Um, and that's when he moved into pornographic films. Now, he... Um eventually got convicted of mm-hmm. of several things so, okay so not not only did he do the murder but i guess he you know he so what did he do on film for people because it says indignity to a body so what did he, did he have sex with it or something 
there's there's quite a bit. Um, <laughs> okay. I, unfortunately, I unfortunately I I did have to watch this video in order to describe it for the book. Uh, it's it's one of the things that I left to last to do because I knew I had to write about the victim as well, and I wouldn't be able to do that at, you know if I watched the video before. I knew I had I would have a much harder time. So I did say save that for last because I knew it would be hard to watch, and I actually had to watch it four times. Mm. So the video that he posted is actually ten minutes long. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And um, the, right off the very bat, you know, he, he has a, an image of, you know, a person laying on the bed still alive. And then it just, it cuts to just a wide shot. Um, and that's when he, he actually starts stabbing the body. Um, and, and this goes on for quite some time. So you do see that. Um, is he actually uh, killing him at the time? Or no, is, no, he's dead no. already. You, you don't actually see the murder take place itself. Um, but then he he starts to cut into the body and, and he picks the camera up and it's like you're looking through his, his eyes, basically. Um, so it's really very, very disturbing. Um, you know, he... He cuts away at some times, like, you know, after he started originally cutting into the body. Um, he, you know, he, he shows that he's already decapitated his victim. Um, and, you know, he, he, he masturbates with some of the body parts in the video. Um, very, very disturbing. He, he simulates sex with the body. I don't know if you, he actually does have sex with the body in it. It was very hard to tell. He he let a puppy on the bed and let the puppy, um, you know, bite into the body as well, where he had removed one of the limbs. And then uh, he, he used a wine bottle to penetrate the torso anally, um, to have anal sex using this, this item. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, he, he concluded the video with uh, one shot of him laying on the bed pantless, masturbating with a severed hand and then he he changed it up and had shots of a severed arm in the refrigerator and uh, the very final shot of that video is is a picture of his victim with with his throat slit wow um now that's that's a lot now and he filmed all this and then he posted it online he did yeah and so what what did he post online to for, like for everybody to see, did he put it on a big site? 
Yeah, he posted it on uh, Best Score. Um, he posted it on uh, another couple sites as well. But the thing that you have to realize, too, is he actually started promoting this video online a week before he shot it, before any of this took place. Right? <laughs> so, but to go even one step further is he bragged to a journalist in Europe about the fact that he was going to commit this crime, that he, he was going to murder somebody months before he did it. Okay, so so he actually kind of had this in mind, obviously. He he totally had this planned out, you know. Um, the the note that he sent to the journalist um, at the time, um, he didn't sign it with his own name, but it showed up um, the next day after that journalist had confronted Luca about the animal cruelty charges that people had laid against him. Because the animal cruelty charges... Uh, that well, they were charges, but the animal cruelty case, um, it was actually widespread. That story even got picked up in the UK. So that's why you know this journalist heard that Luca was over in Europe and and confronted him about these charges, and wrote a story on it as well. Um, but yeah, the next day he he sent a uh, a letter and it it wasn't signed by him. But um, it was later confirmed in trial that yes, Luca did send that send that letter to the journalists. So yeah, like months before he committed the murder, he was bragging about the fact that he would he was going to commit it. Wow! And so did he know who he was going to do this to? Now this this is uh, this is someone named Lin Jun. Yes, it is. And so how did he meet this Lin Jun, and and or how did it was it kind of planned ahead of time, as in this person or? No, um, you know, police weren't really able to find out how they originally met. Um, a court from Luca, he actually said they met on uh, online on Craigslist, and um, that he that uh, Lynn responded to his request for a bondage partner. So, um, and that they met up and went back to his place. So, I mean, you know, obviously he he had no idea that you know entering. The apartment building with with Luca, that would that would be the last time that he was ever free. Yeah, that was a a bad uh, hookup on, yeah. on Craigslist. Uh, yeah. Um. So, so that's happened, and then mm -hmm. um, so so he posts it, and then that sort of made it so that. So did he mail the limbs to the to the schools first, and then post it or? Um, it was, it was around the same time. So after he had shot the video, um, he, he got rid of all the evidence in his apartment building. They had surveillance running 24 seven. So, you know, the surveillance tapes actually shows him getting rid of, of the evidence. Um, at one point you, you actually see him wearing the clothes that, uh, Lynn had arrived in the building in on some of these trips that he made to in and out of the building. Um, so Luca, yeah, he, he took his victim's clothes and wore them. And, you know, while he was cleaning up after himself, after, after committing this murder. So, um, yeah, he, uh, he then, um, put the torso in a suitcase, which he put in the garbage bin outside of his building. Um, and that was, that was left there for a few days. Um, it wasn't discovered until people started, complaining about the smell and coming from it. Um, he was already in Europe by that time because he had booked a flight while he was cleaning up from the murder uh, to Europe. So um, with the the posting of the limbs and stuff, he did that before his flight as well. They released video of him. Uh, they show him very calmly going to the mall and you know dropping off the packages in the mail. Um, what they sent him to uh, the liberal and conservative headquarters is where he sent some packages, as well as two um, two separate schools. Um, so all of that is also chronicled in the book as well, uh, as well as the notes that he had sent with them and the return addresses. <laughs> the, re the return addresses actually pulled it back to Carla Holka. <laughs> oh, that's just that's crazy. And but, but what was the point of doing? sending things to elementary schools like he sent limbs so what what was there a, a meaning that he said that he did that I, 
You know, I think it was just for the shock value, honestly. Certainly. Um, and and then to federal. So I see that he was also charged with uh, harassing the prime minister and part this of This would it. be why. Yeah. So that that's, that's really kind of... Um, and so he had no real purpose other than just fame, probably, for that, too. Yeah. Um, you know, and... I guess, you know, with his mental health issues, he he felt that, you know, the government was out to get him. Um, he, he always thought that, you know, the, the government was spying on him, according to his psych evaluation. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he, he wanted to get back yeah. at, at the government for, for spying on him and things like that would be my guess there. Yeah, he had a whole different world going on. So, the, so then he took off to Berlin, and how did they find him there? Um, someone recognized him actually, because you know, the the police uh, did release that they that he was in Europe. So they were they were doing searches um, of the area, but he was he was found in a in a cafe, reading information about himself on the internet. So he was looking up information on to see what the media was covering about himself. Isn't that strange, almost ironic in a way? That's yeah, it just goes back to that narcissistic behavior, you know. So what happened to him then? Like he, uh, so he got caught, brought mm -hmm. back to Canada. He went on trial, and they had no problem convicting him. No, um, his defense actually, he was going for the what used to be the insanity defense, but it's now uh, not criminally res responsible. So he, his lawyer said that he shouldn't be held responsible because of his mental state. But I mean, you know, you have the case where someone who had planned this murder months in advance. So, so yeah, they they had. Uh, some psychologists and you know they luca didn't take the stand in his own defense it it all came down to the doctors really for for pleading his case as well as you know some testimony from his family and whatnot but and so now he got sentenced to um i guess life he got life but life in canada is different um he it means 25 years unless he uh is uh classified as a dangerous offender. So, you know, he could be out before he's 60. Well, you, do, do you actually think he'll ever get out? But after this, this is a little bit um, drastic. I mean, I would think, you know, it's not like he just, what you know, got into a fight and passionate and killed someone. He's, this is a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I, you know. Dur during his defense, you know, Luca tried to place the blame on, um, a person named Manny, Manny, and um, you know this this person, whether real or not, um, he played a, a starring role in this psychological evaluation that was presented in the in the trial. It was uh, it was 124 pages long, and uh, and reading through it, Luca always refer, reverted back to blaming this Manny person for you know for the animal cruelty videos that he made and posted, and you know the murder of. Uh, of his victim of Lynn and, uh, and everything that happened afterwards, you know, the filming of it and posting it online, everything was, was put back to Manny, even his, even some of the acts that he committed as an escort, you know? So, so yeah, he, he tried to place the blame on this other person. Um, I think it was just so he could have a scapegoat, you know, to, to try to, have the police look for this other person, which they did try to do. You know, they looked for him, but they couldn't find any any evidence, or they couldn't find this person. And to me, in this day and age with the technology that exists, you know, I think that if you you know you can't find this person, it's probably because they don't exist. Yeah, I would think too, because uh, you know there'd be some sort of evidence of it, unless this person, this Manny, is some secret service agent that can hide. Well, the other thing, too, is, is that, you know, Luca did admit to the fact that he would hear Man Manny's voice even if he couldn't see him. So, you know, that that's one thing that factored it into the, this psychological evaluation, you know, so. Yeah. Well, who, who in his eyes or who, who did he portray Manny to be? Um, it's, it's someone who, you know, forced him to do 
all these terrible acts and, you know, um, like, made, made him post, you know, to kill these, these kittens for these videos, you know, not, not just once, but twice like that he was posting these videos in two separate occasions but you know he tried to place all that blame on on to manny right he didn't want to take any responsibility for his his own actions so does it was this manny to him like his his lover or um... yeah he was a lover and uh made him do stuff for money and he uh he said that he was an american from new mexico that while he that he met while he was in uh living in new york city and that that meeting apparently took place in about 2010. Um, so he, this nanny person would try to convince Luca not to take his medication. Um, so because Luca was medicated at times for for his uh, for his various medical conditions, his his mental health issues. Um, so yeah, he said he was fearful of Manny and, you know, Manny would, was abusive and, and suggested that, you know, if they made, they would make more money if they made these crush videos and uh, a crush video is like where, where a woman would like sit on a rabbit, but instead of a rabbit, that's where the, the kittens came in for the animal cruelty videos and things like that. So it just goes back to, you know. Having someone to blame really is, is what I think. But. Yeah, yeah, take it off. And so now, have, were you able to interview Luca at all or talk to him? No, no, um, I, I didn't. Uh, so, which is unfortunate, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure, you know, in the years to come, people are going to be analyzing this case. And, you know, I'm sure with his his love of the spotlight, he will speak to somebody someday. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it's sometime soon, you know. Yeah, and 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 so have you heard how he's doing in prison or how he's how he's surviving now? Um, I I read some information in the uh, the psychological evaluation that was presented, you know, but you know about how he he was afraid to go to the shower, so he you know he wouldn't get raped and. Um, how he was he was what wearing multiple layers of clothes and stuff and, and just the, his manic behavior and stuff but personally my opinion and I think that he he was just putting on a, a good show for the doctors who had to testify for him but like I said this is just my opinion um, how he's faring now I'm not sure but mm. and so now or does, does that worry you about having a book come out? about someone like him, like a, a murderer like that? Do you, does it ever kind of scare you a little bit? Do you ever get creeped out? <laughs> um, not really. I mean, you know, journalism background, so. No, but yeah, I it mean, just, don't, it, doesn't it worry? I mean, whenever, I think I would be a little bit. You mean, like, do, you, do yeah, I worry if he ever one got it? Olsen, you get a call and it's him. <laughs> um, you know, not really. I don't think he'll, he'll be able to get out of jail, but well, I wrote under a pen name, so well, <laughs> just, just for this never, purpose. Oh, look at those guys that just got out in the States there. Yeah, you know, you that's might have true. Some, someone, some cook on the side that gets them out, and then do you think he'll call you or come after you? Do you I mean, do you, do you worry about stuff like that when you write you know, other books? It's one thing, but when you're writing about something that's true and mm -hmm. this person's still alive, do you ever worry that, or even think about, not necessarily worry, but do you ever think that they're going to read what you've written and they yes. will kind of transcend, like put a, an opinion on, on it? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I know of some authors who do have people who, who call them even while they're committing crimes, you know? So I, it is, it is something that could happen. Yeah. You I know? see. Cause that would kind of, throw me a little because he's alive and it's still mm -hmm. you know it's not like something that happened 100 years ago and there's no um, I, I would just be a little freaked out myself I'd be but that's that's okay that's it's you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so far so good <laughs> so far so good we'll see how it goes yeah, um, yeah. so uh, now were you ever uh, did you ever uh, get to talk to uh, Lynn Jun's family or, or have you heard anything about how the family of Lynn Jun received all this and how it was played out for them was it um, um they they gave very few media media interviews during this this whole thing um 
but if you read the, the book, um, what I decided to do, how I wanted to end this book, um, was not with something about Luca. I actually included the entire victim impact statement from the family. Um, I thought it would be a, a disservice to Lynn um, to to not include it, and it, it's just it's heartbreaking. Yeah. When I read it, I knew that this had to be included, and and it had to be the end of the book because I wanted to bring um, your your focus back to his victim and what his family has to live with because, I mean, it, it really is. It's just it, it still makes me emotional just even thinking about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, this one person's caused a lot of um, trauma, not only with that family, but with mm -hmm. anybody that was involved in the elementary school. Now, when they when he sent limbs to the schools, did they did anybody see them or how how like I mean, obviously somebody opened up. Yes, they had to open them to finding what they were. Right. So, so can you imagine how traumatizing that would be? Yeah. <laughs> I, I really can't imagine how how tra traumatizing it must be. I mean, good lord, I just, I can't even. Well, it just it's such an odd thing to happen mm -hmm. uh, because there's there's really no reason for it um, mm -hmm. coming to the school. It's not like he was trying to get back at someone there or he, he cut up a teacher's uh, and sent him to the school. You know what I mean? There was no real reference, mm -hmm. so it, you know that would just be kind of weird. Mm -hmm. Wow. So um, after after this book now, so that you're done, and um, how do you feel? Like, uh, do, you, do you feel good, and do you feel like you want to do tackle another true crime now? I feel really good. I'm really happy with how it turned out. Um, my style of writing is more um, give you the facts, and you're not really going to get my opinion in there much. I kind of want to let you make up your own mind about the case. I mean, you know, I think talking to you today is actually my opinions coming across way more than what it did in the book. Yeah. But, um, this, this is my first one. Uh, hopefully not my last. I do hope to, to do another one for sure. Um, taking the summer off right now before, before I look at the next topic that I might want to cover, but, but definitely just the beginning for me. Yeah. I, well, I think I'll continue good. with it. Yeah, no, that's how, that's great. And, and that's actually, I think the way, a good true crime book is written anyway. I mean, not so much opinion, but more about here, this is what happened, this is what you learned, and, mm -hmm. and I think that's great. <clears throat> is there any particular cases that interest you that you want to pursue now uh, after your summer off? Um, I think what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to look around at, at some more cases. I'm going to uh, read a few more books um, with, with you know, a bunch of different cases in them and, and try to determine where I'd like to go from here. Um, I have a couple I'm looking at, but, uh, you know, until I get the go-ahead from my publisher, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Yeah. So um, now do you have some contact information now for the listeners if anybody wants to uh, send you their opinion or maybe send you information about a case or maybe Luca wants to get a hold of you? <laughs> <laughs> How how would how would they go about doing that? Sure, um, you can go onto my website at caraleecarter.com, and there's contact form there. Um, I'm also on Facebook. You can reach me on Facebook, and uh, and because I'm so new, I'm still still branching out into my various social media sites, and you know, it takes time. It does. It does. It's just been such a whirlwind because the book wasn't supposed to be released until the 24th of July, but uh, it actually did get released um, quite a bit earlier, over 20 days earlier, because I did end up finishing it early. So, so yeah, so now I'm just I'm trying to get up to speed with all the social media stuff. But really, um, I'd love to hear from people, hear their thoughts, good or bad. You know, yeah. no, uh, it's, it's all good feedback. And, you know, maybe Luca can help you out with uh, managing social media. He had so like, many. <laughs> he, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. I'm telling you, like, I don't know how he had time to, <laughs> to keep up to all these different profiles between, you know, the, the 70 Facebook pages and all these blog posts and YouTube accounts. And I'm like, my God. Yeah. I just. It just blows my mind. Well, you really. think he would get them mixed up or <laughs> put no. the wrong picture on or something? Well, what he would do is, you know, he would make a post under one name and then he'd log in as somebody else and comment so that it would seem like he had this huge following. 
Oh, so he was building himself up, you know? Right, right. But yeah, crazy. yeah. He, he must have spent all of his time at it. That's crazy. But, it totally uh, is. Really a troubled soul, I would say. He is, he is. But yeah. he, you know, he's he's in jail. He's going to be serving his time for the next 25 years. And, um, and he'll be medicated, so... Maybe that'll make a difference. Maybe, maybe he was just born this way. You really, you don't know, or it could be have something to do with, you know, his environment growing up, and you know, it, I'm sure that he he will be studied. Oh over yeah, the next, so, over the next so many factors, you know, it's just uh... so many factors that that contributed to yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I I I really appreciate you taking some time. I know you're in busy schedule, and and taking the time and and talking about your new book and. Uh... And some other things and uh, thank you for being on the show thank you so much for having me show is over for now was it as good for you as it was for me well good night this has been a production of the Z Talk radio network I'll be back hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.